Faithful Father, we pause on your Sabbath at the end of this week's journey. We seek the safety we find in your presence. We look for the fellowship in our brethren. We pause to reflect on your holiness as we seek holiness in our own lives. We ask for courage to live our lives through faith, and we ask that you fill us with hope. May our lives magnify your kingdom, and may your ways be like a melody within us as your word motivates us to be more like you. We praise you, O Lord. We recognize you as the giver of all good things. We praise you for giving strength to the weak, for encouraging the fearful, for enlightening the blind, and energizing the lame. We thank you for Jesus, our Redeemer, who takes away the sin of the world. We pray, for, we pray the words he taught us to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Last week we looked at Elijah's boot camp experience at Camp Kareth. When God said, go to the brook, I will provide. Elijah went, and he was sustained, but it wasn't easy. I don't think it was fun. The Lord took him there and gave him the demanding discipline he needed to prepare him for the situations he would face in his future. God does that with us too. He takes us to boot camp to strip us of our layers of resistance and prepare us for the future and harden us for combat with the enemy of our soul. God has a camp careth for each one of us. At Camp Kareth, expect God to work on your pride. Expect him to remove you from the limelight. Expect to be cut down to size. Expect a deeper, a deeper level of spiritual maturity to develop within you. And expect that your fears will be overcome as you learn to walk by faith. Expect to lose your resentment Expect to develop forgiveness. Expect your long-standing bad habits and deep-seated deep attitudes to be stripped away. Expect to learn humility. At Camp Kareth, God crushes pride. He removes fear. He breaks away resentment, and he changes long-standing bad habits until we are renovated from the inside out, until we are ready for his will not ours, to be done. As a young man, when I left the U.S. Navy boot camp, my training wasn't finished. I moved on to more advanced training that was designed to prepare me to handle the situations and experiences I would encounter in an engine room on a naval combat ship. I no longer had a drill instructor telling me each move to make. The advanced training was actually more demanding and more complicated than boot camp was. I had to learn how steam turbines worked. I had to learn how to fix them. I had to learn 
how to respond during worst-case scenarios, and even how to respond during enemy attacks. When Elijah moved on out of boot camp from Camp Kareth, he also was sent to advanced training. What for? To become a man of God. His advanced training awaited him at a place called Zarephath. Let's begin reading in verses 8 and 9 from 1 Kings 17. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. God knew where Elijah was. The word of the Lord came to him. God knows where we are. He knows exactly where you are. He hasn't forgotten you. And whenever you feel that God has forgotten you, if you're on the verge of throwing a pity party, it's good to remember passages like this one from Isaiah 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God knows where you are. He knows where you are going. He knew where Elijah was going. He told Elijah, Arise, go to Zarephath, get up. That's not difficult to do. I believe that without a doubt, Elijah was happy to leave Camp Kareth. After all, the brook had dried up. God said, go. That was good. A change of scenery was just what Elijah wanted. But then the other shoe dropped. Stay in Zarephath. What? Some of us are willing to go through a period of testing. A few hours, a day or two, at most a week. But we don't want to stay in a place of trial. Well, Zarephath was on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, about 100 miles across open land, so this was a significant walk that he had to take. And at the time, he was a wanted man. King Ahab's army was looking for him. Elijah had to trust the Lord all the way from Kareth to Zarephath. It was risky, but God knew exactly where Elijah was going because God had prepared a place. Now, I can't speak for Elijah, but I, I would have considered God's instruction rather humbling. Why? Because God didn't tell Elijah to go there so he could provide for a poor widow. No, the poor widow was going to provide for him. He was the famous prophet, after all, who stood before the king and boldly announced a drought that would last for years upon his word. And then he was placed under the care of a poor widow. 
<laughs> Go figure. This is a good reminder that God gives us the most humbling tasks to prepare us for the greater, higher tasks ahead. We don't know what God has for you or for me in the future, but the training He has lined up for us will certainly include some humbling experiences. Humbling experiences are a necessary part of God's plan for our lives. Part of Elijah's training including, included having a poor widow provide for his needs. And he responded positively to God's plan with obedience. Verses 10 and 11. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And she was going to get it. As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. So just imagine that scene. As he, Elijah, as he neared the gate of the town, he saw the widow gathering sticks. Ah, maybe he thought to himself, there she is, so I'll have a cool drink of water soon and a bite to eat. Verse 12, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home, make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. What a surprise. Welcome to Zarephath, Elijah. The person who would provide for him was about to give up and die. Do you think that maybe Elijah anticipated at least a little more provision than he had back at Camp Kareth? But apparently, he was about to receive even less. He might not die of thirst, but he was going to starve. It seems that Elijah's first impression of his new host was not so good. Have you ever been blindsided by a first impression? Have you ever moved or taken a new job or went to a new school or had some other challenge that turned out to be very different from what you had expected. Sometimes reality is not only different from your plan, it's actually worse. <laughs> First impressions can be discouraging, but they can also be part of our spiritual training. Elijah went to Zarephath. He found a woman looking for sticks so she could build a fire, fix her last meal, and then die of starvation. After his long, dangerous journey, maybe he was a little disappointed by what he found when he arrived in Zarephath. He walked into a situation that was, from his perspective, impossible. But the good news is that Elijah saw beyond the impossible. He handled the situation with faith, not with fear. So let's take a look at what he did. Verses 13 and 14. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. 
But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Elijah did not allow first impressions to get him down. The widow had her eyes on the impossible, a handful of flour, a tiny bit of oil, a few sticks that she gathered. But Elijah refused to accept that. He refocused his faith on the possibilities. He was in training, and he was an emerging man of God. During boot camp at Camp Kareth, he saw God's faithfulness. He survived the dried-up brook. He escaped King Ahab's army on his walk to Zarephath. He believed that the impossible was possible. His faith was profoundly deep. He saw the near-empty jar and the tiny bit of oil in the jug, and he said almost with a, with a shrug, I think, that's no problem for God. Go ahead and fix some biscuits for us. Then he told her why. The jar of flour shall be exhausted, shall not be exhausted, and the jug of oil will not be empty until the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. Elijah was a man of faith. Have you ever spent time in the presence of a person who has great faith? You know, those kind of Christians who don't use the word impossible. They are wonderful to be around. That widow must have dropped her jaw. She was never the same again. Elijah modeled a lesson he had learned at Kareth. Faith with obedience. God told him to go, and he went. Then Elijah told the woman to practice the same type of obedience. He told her to go and do, and she did. And the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the, the Lord spoken by Elijah. Verses 15 and 16. Our obedience and God's faithfulness. Now that's a good combination that can lead to miracles. Dinner must have been amazing <laughs> at that table. You think? Sitting next to containers that never went dry. Can you imagine what kind of prayers they might have said before they ate? Praise God from all whom from whom all biscuits flow. <laughs> Did the widow and her son have everything they wanted? No, but they had what they needed. When we come to the end of our resources and God says yes to our needs, then we will also be more than satisfied. So there are some interesting lessons we can learn from this story. Number one, the direction God leads is often surprising. Don't overanalyze it, just follow it. If God places you 
in a difficult situation and you have peace about where you are, you have peace that you, are, that you should stay there, then stay put. God will provide for your needs. Number two, the beginning days are often the hardest days. Don't quit. Learn from Elijah's example. The poor widow hardly had enough energy left in her old, tired body. She was only able to gather a few sticks of firewood to cook her last meal. But Elijah was not discouraged. I believe that his faith was contagious. Number three, God's, God's promises often hinge on obedience. Don't ignore your part. God said, Elijah, arise and go. Elijah said, woman, go in there and fix the meal. And they did. A promise fulfilled is often the result of our obedience. And number four, I mentioned on this earlier, God's provisions are often just enough, so remember to thank him. I've said this before, if you postpone your gratitude until all your dreams are fulfilled, then you will become a mean old man or woman, a cranky Christian, always wanting for more. And we know what they are like because we've all been around cranky Christians. God wants, us, wants to form us into men and women of God. It's very probable that you have been to Camp Kareth, that you've walked into Zarephath. It's all part of God's plan. On our journey to Christian maturity, all roads lead through Zarephath. So the question then is, what roads? Well, let's review those roads that Elijah traveled. First, God gave Elijah the courage to confront Ahab and announce a drought. Then on the heels of that announcement, God told Elijah not to stay in public view. Instead, he was directed to run and hide at the Kareth Brook. While there, he was fed by the ravens, and he drank from the brook, which sometime later dried up. Of course it was going to dry up. There was a drought. At Kareth, for an undisclosed period, Elijah waited for God's direction in solitude and obscurity while he learned to lean upon God. Next, God sent Elijah to Zarephath. He went there for advanced training to be refined into a man of God. He found a widow, a widow and her son on the verge of starvation. And at God's direction, he moved into their home. Elijah said to the widow, in effect, we will trust God on a day-to-day -day basis. And sure enough, God came through day after day, just as he always does. The flour jar was never empty. The little jug of oil never ran dry. Each day, God provided for their needs. And then, Elijah faced another impossible situation. Everything 
And it happened up to this point to Elijah was crescendoing up to this moment. This new impossibility he was about to face that would prepare him for all the ministry he was heading into in his future. Elijah was accustomed to facing the impossible. His faith had matured. He was ready for this next test. He was confident in his God. Verses 17 and 18. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? I think the woman's, the mother's reaction was natural. She looked around for someone to blame. She blamed Elijah for the death of her son. She only saw condemnation from the hand of God. She stood there probably, probably with tears running down her cheeks, holding the body of her son in her arms. We read, Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. At that precise moment, Elijah held out his arms and said, Give him to me. That, that type of response you have to be impressed with. It was a gentle response. From my perspective, which is, after all, a human perspective, Elijah was placed in a situation he didn't deserve. He had walked with God from Kareth to Zarephath. He had done exactly as the Lord instructed him. He trusted God, and then he received an unjust accusation from that widow. Thank goodness God allows for that. <laughs> Sometimes we feel like we're in a vice, and it gets tighter and tighter until the pain of that vice squeeze becomes too much, and we ask, Lord, what's going on? What are you doing? And that's when Elijah's faith did not waver. He stood tall. He stood silent in the shadow of God. He remained grounded in his faith. He remained confident in God's power. He didn't lose control. He didn't argue with the woman. He simply said with quiet conviction, give the boy to me. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with? by causing her son to die. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. This is remarkable. Up to this point in scripture, there was no account of anyone ever being raised from the dead. Where did this thought process come from? What was Elijah thinking? There was no precedent. How could he dare ask God to do such a thing? He didn't even have a manual to follow. What was he supposed to do? What he had was faith in the living God. And he trusted God for a miracle. 
It was a special moment of faith. He knew that his future, he knew that his faith rested in his father's hands, his father God. Have you ever placed your faith before God this way? With circumstances, when circumstances were totally out of control. So you took the circumstances, the situation, right before God and stood in the shadow of the Almighty. Sure, we've been there. This was a defining moment for Elijah, for his future. I'd say he passed with flying colors. This was when God knew that Elijah was ready to return to the courts of King Ahab, not merely as God's spokesman, but as a man of God. Elijah was in Zarephath at God's appointment. Elijah was there in God's keeping. Elijah was there in training. And he knew that God would reveal his purposes in his time, God's timing. And then he asked God to not only do the incredible, he also asked God to do the impossible. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Elijah didn't say, see what I did. He simply walked downstairs with the boy in his arms and said, look, your son is alive. When Elijah returned to the boy, the woman not only saw her son, but she also saw God's power on display. The God of Elijah, the God of the widow of Zarephath, is our God as well. He is still the God of impossible situations. Elijah approached the impossible with calmness, with gentleness, with faith, with humility. All over this world right now, and right here in our own community, people are looking for the truth to be lived out in the lives of those who claim to be men and women of God. Just as the widow watched Elijah, there are people who are watching us. They hear what we say, no doubt, but mainly they watch to see what we do. Let us remember that we are here by God's appointment. We are in his keeping. We are under his training for his timing. God wants our lives. He wants to revive the spiritual dead areas in our lives. If the situation calls for it, trust him for a miracle. And in his time, if it be his will, your life too can be renewed. Lay down your bad habits those bad habits that have so long controlled you. Lay down your anger, 
lay down your selfishness or your pride or whatever else within you that needs, there is that needs to be replaced. Lay yourself down before the Father and stretch yourself out under his shadow and ask him to bring about remarkable, even miraculous changes in your life. Elijah believed in the God of impossibilities. Not even death caused him to doubt. He learned his theology of faith in the secret hiding place at Camp Kareth. He refined his faith during his advanced training at Zarephath. And then later, when he stared death in the face, his faith literally came alive as he stood there under the shadow of Almighty God. A wonderful story. And like Elijah, you and I must stand under the shadow of Almighty God. We must stand by faith as men and women of God. When we allow God to train us, he will transform us for his purpose. And I have to say in a hearty amen to that and hallelujah.